This is The Art of Being You, and I'm Rachel Wortman. This podcast brings you inspiration, insights, and practical tools to help you become more like Jesus. Get ready to embrace who God has created you to be. I've got a great episode in store for you today, so without further ado, here is The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You, and a special welcome to any of you guys who are listening for the first time. Really glad to have you here with us. So I want to dive right into today's conversation, which is about something that a lot of us struggle with and few of us actually admit. And I want to talk about what it's like to wrestle with your calling. What do you do if you don't like the thing that God has called you to? And I am maybe truthfully, a an expert in this field. Uh, and I'm going to tell you my story here in just a little bit. But one of my heroes, a man named Randy Clark, he has a famous quote that he says all of the time. And he says, my common prayer, my constant prayer is, Lord, make me a coin in your pocket and spend me any way you want. And I love that prayer, right? It's a prayer I've prayed. It's sort of like the Isaiah, what is it? Chapter six, I believe, where he's saying, here I am, Lord, send me. There's this heart posture in a lot of our relationships with Jesus where we recognize that God's way is the best way. And so in these moments of surrender, we tell the Lord, God, you can do whatever you want with my life. Lord, I am yours, right? I don't want to just follow you. I want to be truly a disciple. And a disciple takes the narrow road. A disciple gives up their life and lets the Lord dictate what they're going to do. Make me a coin in your pocket, God, and spend me however you want. But what do we do when the Lord does spend us and he spends us in a way that we don't want to be spent? How do we handle ourselves when we're wrestling with the very thing that God is saying is the best for us, but it feels like maybe the worst? That's what we're talking about today. In this coin analogy, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you guys have used vending machines lately. I haven't used a vending machine in forever until about a year ago. Uh, We went on a vacation to Big Sky, Montana. It was among the worst of our family vacations. I'm sure I talked about it on the podcast last summer. Um, But when we got to this resort, they were understaffed because of, you know, post-COVID days. And we got there at like 7.45 at night, put our bags down, and then my kids and I went to go try to find some food. My husband was at a conference there, so he had his dinner taken care of. And lo and behold, there was no food on the entire resort. It was a 30-minute walk down a mountain to the closest town with a shuttle that would not return for another two hours. I had four little kids with me. It was just not going to happen to walk you know, that far, especially with a four-year-old. So I said to the lady, is there literally no food here at this resort? My kids were so hungry. And so was I. She said, you know, we've got some vending machines down the hall. And I thought to myself, what is a vending machine? (laughs) I haven't used a vending machine in I don't even know how long. So we go down there and I just let the kids buy whatever looked good to them. So we packed, you know, we scanned the card for Reese's peanut butter cups, for Kit Kats, for Twix bars, for some chips and lots of Coke and water and anything we could scan the card for. And, you know, the best part, the cherry on top, the piece to resistance was when we got back to our room and opened the candy All of the chocolate was melted because it was summertime and it was hot in the resort and a lot of places in the mountain areas 
don't have air conditioning. And so we ate our melted peanut butter cups to try to drown the the sorrows inside of our heart. And we made a memory that we will never forget. And so what happens if we sit down with the Lord and we say, God, I'm the coin in your pocket. Put me wherever you want. And he puts us into a vending machine in a lobby of Big Sky, Montana. And what comes out is anything less than appetizing. What do we do? How do we go forward? A lot of us spend our life searching for a sense of purpose or a calling, right? We want to feel called to something. We want to feel like what we're doing is significant, that it's making an impact in this world, not just in our own eyes, but in the lives of the people around us. Those of us who are really going after Jesus and and truly praying a prayer like this, our intention is to see some fruit from what we're doing, right? And we want to feel like we're not dying a thousand deaths every day to accomplish that task. Our human nature really struggles with the mantra of the New Testament, which is die to yourself, pick up your cross. It's a tough one. It's a hard thing to hear. And what it means is die to your ego, die to your ambition, die to your purpose, your plan. And when I say your purpose, I mean the one that you think you're here on the earth to do. Jesus says the way to find that thing that we're all looking for is actually when we lay our life down. The ones who lay their lives down truly find it. What does that mean? Is it just a fortune cookie statement? No, it means that when we give up our understanding of how the world works, our understanding of our own perception of ourself, then we actually discover what God is saying. Jesus teaches us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? This means that God has a specific plan and a way and a method, right? And I think you guys know this, but the reality of this playing out in our life is so painful if I can just be so bold to be that honest. Make me a coin in your pocket, Lord, and spend me however you want, except like that. Call me to wherever, except to there. I don't know if I can go back to my family and be a light to them. I don't know if I can go into, you know, the, my job and, and share the gospel. I don't know if I can do that. And the Lord would say, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose. And in me, that purpose becomes electric. That calling becomes sustaining. That, that anointing becomes encompassing on you. And it's like, oh, this is the best thing for me. But getting into that place often means we have to squeeze through the narrow gate, the narrow road, right? It's like that scripture where Jesus says, unless you, you know, thread an eye, a camel through the eye of the needle. And uh, they're like, what is this? You know, we read this and we think, what the heck is this? Well, the eye of the needle was actually a door within a door of a city gate. It's like a short door. It's about, you know, a fourth of the size of the door. And if you were a visitor, you would have to come through that little little eye of the needle is what they called it sometimes. So if you have all these possessions, right? Jesus is telling this to, uh, using an analogy of somebody who's wealthy, coming with all these possessions and they have to squeeze through this narrow opening to get into the broad space. I don't know about you, but that's what it's like in my life. Every time Jesus is calling me into something, there's a squeezing and there's a letting go so that I can get through this narrow road, this narrow gate, the eye of the needle, so I can get into the broad space. 
if I can just be, again, so bold to be this honest, this is what childbirth is, right? This life that's brewing, this life of potential, this baby that is anointed by God and called to be a son or daughter of God and and to get out into the world to fulfill that purpose, it has to be squeezed through the birth canal. This imagery is all over the world and it is all over the Bible. And when I say the world, I don't mean like the world, the flesh and the devil. I mean like the actual world that we're living in, in the kingdom. It's how God designed it. See, I think for a lot of us, we are intimidated by what I'm going to call like the spirit of Goliath, right? To stay in the background, to not speak up, to blend in, to not do the thing that's, that sparks up in our heart sometimes or perks up in our mind that we might feel, feel a little bit called to, but it also feels dangerous and daunting and awful, right? A lot of times we have perceptions about that thing that we've spent years judging it or, you know, or even saying I would never do that. I would never want to do that. And so our own brain is working against us because our neuro pathways are saying, remember, remember, you don't like that. And Jesus is on the other side of that little eye of the needle crouching down saying, come over here. You're going to love it. And we're looking and we're saying, how, how will I love that? (laughs) This just feels bad, God. You know, Jacob wrestled with God, right? We know this story. He wrestled with God and he walked away with a limp. But there's something in the story of Jacob that compels me personally in my life. And it's because Jacob wasn't just wrestling to get his way. He was wrestling to receive from God. It's almost as if Jacob was saying, look, God, if you're going to make me into Israel, if you're going to make me a representative of you, if you're going to put an anointing on me where I'm going to be a father to this you know, lineage of thousands of years of your people, then I need a blessing with that. I need to feel like I've met with you. I need some sort of like, you know, uh, uh, a jolt or something to make me feel like all the sacrifice and the fear and the, and you know, the incoming pain that I'm going to endure is going to be worth it. And God does, he blesses him, but that blessing costs him, right? He walks with a limp. He's different from that day forward. And I don't think for a moment, Jacob ever regretted wrestling with the Lord. No, because I think he knew he was being asked to do something that was so difficult for him to go back and face his brother who he had manipulated and stolen from, right? And not just stolen some money that he could repay. I mean, he stole the anointing. He stole something significant that couldn't be undone. God doesn't revoke those gifts. And he has to become now something he never thought he could be. And he needs God's grace and his blessing to do that. If you're standing on the battleground watching the Goliath in your sphere, you know, taunting and and addressing everybody and your fear is to step out, I want to encourage you, maybe the thing that God is stepping out, like calling you to step out in, is actually something that's going to be a blessing to you. Let me tell you just a a quick personal story I mentioned at the beginning of this that I feel like maybe potentially an expert voice into this topic. 
in the last year, those of you guys that have followed the podcast, you know that we had a significant transition a little over a year ago. My husband and I had been senior pastors for nine years, and God asked us to step down from that and to transition into a different type of ministry. And, you know, initially when God spoke that, I obeyed with a happy heart, right? In my home, we always tell our kids, how do we obey cheerfully, quickly, completely? If we're obeying um, but we're doing it with a grumbling heart, that's not really honoring. If we're obeying, but we're delaying it, that's not really obeying. If we're you know, obeying, but we're not doing the fullness of what's being asked of us, again, that's not really obeying. And I take this up with the Lord myself. I want to obey cheerfully, quickly, and completely. And so the Lord said, step down. And so cheerfully, we said, wow, okay, you know, we'll trust you. And then in the months that followed, it became this just overwhelming sensation of disorienting confusion, right? And it had been a really long year and a half of really searching uh, the Lord for the blessing of the transition. I knew we had heard the Lord. I felt a little clear on what he was calling us to, but guys, can I just be honest with you? I guess we'll just call this podcast like Uber Honest Day. I didn't want to do the thing God was asking me to do. I I came into this kicking and screaming for the last like six months. I've been telling the Lord, almost like Jesus in the garden, if there is another cup, God, I'll drink that one. And in my heart, I didn't want to be like that, right? In my heart, I wanted to say, God, whatever you say is best for me. I know, I know that it's the best for me, but my body, my flesh, my soul, my mind, my heart cannot accept that right now. Woo, it's tough, right? It's a sacrifice. It's picking up a cross and dying to what I feel like is the best for me and choosing to trust and believe that what he says is actually the best. So I'd been, you know, interacting with the Holy Spirit quite a bit over this. In fact, if you're on our email list, you know, um, you know, I sent out an email a few, probably a month ago or so now about the spirit of understanding. And if you want to be on the email list and you want discipleship tools and journal prompts and things like this to come straight to your inbox, go to rachelwartman.com and there's a, a button on the homepage right there. You can sign up for it. You can do that even while you're listening right now. But in this time of asking the Holy Spirit, would you send me the spirit of understanding? Would you help me in this moment? I need your help. This is what the Holy Spirit said. Are you ready for this? This is kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to share it with you anyway, because, you know, I think it might help some of you. He said, you know, Rachel, you have never once been excited about something I've called you to. I said, that can't be true, Lord. He said, the things I've truly called you to, you have always done them a little bit um, nervous, a little bit apprehensive, a little unsure, and a little upset. (laughs) A little upset that it's not what you wanted to do with your life, right? And in that moment when he spoke that, just multiple moments started flashing back of the last 20 years of my life with Jesus and and realizing, oh my gosh, there's a real pattern here of the big things God has asked me to do and the front end. I am not a good receiver of that instruction. I might hear it correctly, but boy, it offends me. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I don't want to be like that. I want to be your, you know, a cheerful obeyer. I want to be your child that is like so trusting in you that I don't have to wonder or worry how it's going to work out. Before I was repenting, the Lord was showing me this pattern. And then he said, but look at the end of all of those moments. He said, what you like to do is look at the end of the story and, you know, conveniently forget the beginning. 
And the end of each of these things he's called me to was so much love and passion and purpose in what I was doing. When we were in youth ministry, man, I thought I could do this for the rest of my life. We gave our life to raising up teenagers and empowering them to go after Jesus with all of their heart. And it felt to me like what I was born to do. And then when the Lord called us away from that, right? And I can go back through this this history of, of the calling of God moving me into something new and me being resistant to it on the front end, but learning to love it. And by the end of it, feeling like this is the most me I've ever been. And he said, Rachel, what would it look like for you to start with that? To start with knowing that this is how you're going to end. This is how you're going to feel eventually. And let that be a catalyst to you to go after renewing your mind and letting go of this resistance. I'll tell you, it was really eye-opening for me. My prayer became, Lord, help me love it. Okay, there's a testimony here, right? I know that I've learned to love it in the past. And here's the ironic part. Like two weeks later, I was telling this story to a friend and it dawned on me. My first book is actually called You'll Get Out of It When You Learn to Love It. (laughs) Talk about like a prophetic word coming back to remind me again all these years later. When you learn to love the thing that God is calling you to, it stops feeling so much like a burden, right? The death to ourself actually feels not like a death. It feels like a gift. Like I get to do this. I get to learn something new. I don't know about you. I don't know what the thing is that God's stirring in your heart. And I don't know what the resistance that you're feeling is. But I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only person that feels overwhelmed, that hears Goliath out there taunting and and I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, I just want to stay here and blend in a little bit longer because if I step out there, my only option is for God to come through and fight this battle for me and establish me in this new thing. And the Lord's like, yeah, that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going for, that your only option would be me. Me coming through, me shining through, me doing it for you, because it's about God and his glory. Amen. So I don't know about you, but even since just having this, you know, sort of epiphany in my own self, thank you, Holy Spirit, that I'm realizing I'm not going to continue this pattern in my life. At least that's what I'm saying by faith right now. And I'm believing that my trust in Jesus is going to continue to grow and continue to grow to where I won't feel that ever again. And, you know, some of you guys listening to this might be really surprised that I'm being this honest. And the reason why I am is because a lot of times we think that people who are a little farther down the road in their faith than us don't have these kind of struggles. We think that they don't have questions when God uproots their life. We think that they don't have insecurities that pop up or doubts that come in or, you know, taunting voices, the Goliath voices that are in the promised land that, you know, in the new place that are saying, it's not going to be worth it. I'm going to rip you apart when you come here. You're going to look back and think, what was I doing? We all feel this way. I think that we are all on a journey where, you know, if we ever come to a place where we don't feel intimidated by the next thing, I don't think we're believing big enough. I don't think we're really hearing the Lord. I don't think we're really letting him speak to us if we're not continually needing to truly rely on him for everything. That's what being a disciple of Jesus really is, right? 
this podcast, it's called The Art of Being You. And the idea is not because you are some, you know, significantly amazing person in and of yourself. I mean, you are like you are so amazing. But being you means that you know how to follow Jesus, that you know how to let the life of Jesus live in you and through you, that you know how to go to the hard places and then not stay there. What would it look like if our churches were filled with people who were so enamored with trusting in God and believing that he's good, that we're compelled to continue to go farther and farther and farther, no matter what our season is, no matter what our circumstances are. I'm telling you, it's exciting to me to think about. It's, it's, It's daunting to think about but I think it's where the Lord has us right now. So one quick practical tip, if you're listening to this and, and, you know, I think to some level, maybe you're already feeling encouraged, I hope, but if you're wrestling with your calling, I want to challenge you to really make sure that you're clear on what it is that God's asking you to do. And let me give you like a pro tip from my own life. I can't promise you this is how God will treat you, but let me tell you how he treats me after he's told me and confirmed it a few times. That's all he plans to do. The next part of confirmation comes in the moving to obedience. So, you know, sometimes we think we're obeying when we are listening to like a court, we we buy a course, right? So God is saying, do something and we buy a course to do that. And then we have this sort of phantom relief that we're being in obedience, but buying a course to learn is not the same thing as taking action steps. So how do you do this? Well, you know, I definitely am a proponent that when God is telling you to do something big or he's shifting your calling or reassigning you, then yeah, you might want some confirmation there, right? You might want to run that by some mentors in your life. You might want to ask the Lord to reveal in the word some sort of confirmation to you, whatever it is that that you need. But when you get that, then you have to start taking steps, right? And it's in the stepping, in the movement, that God begins to draw future confirmation to you. And I I genuinely believe that. If I will just sit and wait for the Lord to make me stand up and like almost like possess me to, you know, like a puppet to go out and do these things, it's just not the way that he works. I have to choose to trust him and to step out. And 10 out of 10 times when I do that, he comes through like I could never believe. Let me just tell you my own life as we end with this. So God's been really challenging me to begin to build a community of people of purpose, people who want to make an impact in their life, who uh, want coaching on how to do that, who want mentoring on how to do that. Yes, the podcast is a way that we do that, but we're going to take it up about five notches and we're building a a subscription-based group for mentoring where uh, you can be empowered to become everything that God wants you to be, having tools and advice and, and, and a community to support you on that journey. And I'm telling you guys, it probably sounds to you, maybe I hope like, wow, that's awesome. To me, it has felt like anything but that Lord, (laughs) anything but that I don't want to do that. That doesn't feel like me. And as I have said yes to him and I've signed up for things and I've stepped out and I've, I've, you know, made some steps forward in it. You know, what's crazy. All of a sudden I'm finding these people who are holding keys directly for me. Uh, in the floor, like one, this is going to sound maybe kind of silly to you. That's fine. But I, one of the ladies I love to follow, uh, if you are interested in making an impact in business at all, you've got to be following Jennifer Allwood. Um, you can find her, you know, send me a DM and I'll help you find her on Instagram. She's so amazing. And I was listening to something that she put out and she was talking about someone she had invited into a mastermind that she runs. 
I started looking up this person and I'm going, oh my gosh, this person is totally in line with what my husband and I really feel like we're being called to do. And I'm listening to him and I go on his podcast and then he's interviewing somebody who literally is telling my story that he had done about 10 years ago. And he said, and God said this. And he said, these are the verses God took me to. And my mind is like, what? These are the verses that God has taken me to. And in the steps of obedience, there's this synergy that begins to draw the resources and the understanding that you need to obey. But that only comes after you start stepping after you start stepping. So eventually you have to put the wrestle to bed. You have to tell the Lord, just like Jacob did, God, I bless me so that this wrestle becomes something that I feel your touch on my life, that I feel you with me. And then in my going, I know you're going to build me into the person who can fulfill this assignment that's on my life. If you already were that person today, you'd already be doing it, right? So it's a process and a journey and a partnership of transformation that the Holy Spirit takes us on when he speaks these callings. And when we reject them, what we're saying is I'm rejecting you transforming me into your likeness because God doesn't always rework the plan so that it feels better to you. He just waits until we're ready to surrender. So this was a doozy, I know, uh, but if you're bold like me and you're gutsy, pray this prayer, Lord, make me a coin in your pocket and spend me any way you want. And then when he puts you in a Big Sky Montana vending machine and what comes out is melted Twix bars for your dinner after not eating for six hours and it does not feel good on any level, come back and listen to this podcast again <laughs> and let it be an encouragement to you. All right, you guys, I love you. I'm for you. I'm believing in you. And you need to hear that today. Whatever it is that God's calling you to, God knows best. Until next time, be blessed. You've just listened to another episode of The Art of Being You. My goal is to empower you to embrace the goodness of God over your life and step into that abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And did I mention that I'd love to connect with you? Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Wartman and on TikTok at The Rachel Wartman. You can find more resources, including my books and other teachings at rachelwartman.com. <laughs>